Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. We've been doing this podcast for a little while. Steve Versick, I just want you to know that now it's going to be my turn. Wait, it's been my turn this whole time? (laughs) I know you haven't taken it, but hey, you've kind of been watching everything, you know, and I've been sitting back watching you run the business, watching you do everything you want to do. And I don't know, I'm old. uh, You know, most people think my career is probably winding through the 19th hole at this point, but I think this is going to be my turn. Actually, that's what Giselle Bündchen said. In an interview with L Magazine, you have a subscription course, uh, to that, correct? I, I should have one, to be honest with you. It's a fantastic magazine, um, and it's you know it's one like it's not a tabloid. It's it's a you know legit sort of fashionist fashionista magazine, I guess. Um, and she's been on the cover of this thing before. This was clear to me that uh, this interview was done months ago. In fact, I would submit to you just reading the lines in between them um she's on the october 2022 cover which I mean, it's only september right but they come out early um and there is a kind of a photo shoot of her um in many different um cover type type shots uh, and it would seem to me uh, because this was done so far in advance that at the time i'm guessing tom brady was retired i'm guess- i'm guessing it was in that period sometime between he said i'm done till he said i'm not done and the way we know that is uh when he went on hiatus they they attempted to call her back and in fact must have reached her and she had no comment about him uh leaving the bucks for 11 days or for that matter coming back although there was a comment uh in the story uh with respect to sort of how she's you know spent the last 13 years waiting in the valley after having climbed the mountaintop of you know the nation the world's you know, most visible and greatest model, runway model, et cetera, and other things. Um, and that now she was ready to go back to work again. And it, it's very, it's it's sort of revealing in a sense of like, you know, we know she's had concerns about, about Brady and his health and all of that in playing football. Um, but she said, and I'm quoting her here, I feel very fulfilled in a way as a mother and a wife. Um, and now it's going to be my turn. It's not like I'm going to be in a valley forever, in the valley forever. And she called what she had been doing, raising the kids, um, all of that, and spending, you know, a good amount of time in um, in Boston. She says, you know, this is a very violent sport, talking about Brady playing football. I have my children, and I would like him to be more present. Ultimately, I have my concerns. Definitely, I've had those conversations with him over and over again. But ultimately, I feel that everybody has to make the decision that works for them. He needs to follow his joy, too. And she said that uh, I've done my part, which is to be there for Tom. I moved to Boston when he was with the Patriots. And I focused on creating a cocoon and a loving environment for my children to grow up in and be there supporting them and his dreams. Seeing my children succeed, become beautiful little humans that they are, seeing him succeed and be fulfilled in his career, it makes me happy. And at this point in my life, I feel like I've done a good job of that. And she truly has. She says she has a long, a huge list of things that she has to do, that she wants to do. And at 42, um, she feels more connected to her purpose. Very interesting, I thought. Um, and again, the context is lost a little bit because of when this interview occurred. If I was guessing, this was just that. This was um, Giselle you know, saying I'm back, you know, I'm, I'm coming back. I'm going to have more of my career. The headline on the magazine, the L magazine with her on a cover is, and this is their fall fashion portfolio. So this is a big one, right? Giselle rides again. Think about that headline for a minute. And she's on a motorcycle in one of the shots. She rides again. 
the power of Lat Latinx beauty. Um, it's it's really, I think, kind of a window into as Tom says, my life is complicated, or there's a lot. I got I'm 45. I got a lot of ass going on. So does his wife, you know, and never has there been probably a power couple like this in sport in particular. Um, and she's global, still has made a ton of money, done a lot of things. She just doesn't do runways anymore. Um, this magazine uh, talks to her about going to Paris and, and bringing her daughter Vivian with her as she dressed up for all these different photo shoots and things and, you know, the hair and the makeup. And, and Vivian was like, Mommy, you look so much prettier without all this. <laughs> so, um, you know, it the, the, uh, doesn't work for everybody. But but it's just, it's interesting to me, that, you know, that at a time when we've been through one of the most incredible off-seasons that any sports superstar has had, uh, after 22 seasons, Tom Brady retired, was out for 40 days. Even the retirement announcement was sort of botched, uh, came out. Uh, first by Jason Lincoln for CBS, then ESPN, and then 20 hours later, Tom has this, you know, long-winded statement thanking everybody, and then he's gone for 40 days, and back he comes, and that shocks everybody. And then even though he was back, uh, he walks out of training camp for one day, one week, and then the next time for 11 days, and to coach, you know, Todd Bowles is left to tell everybody it's for personal reasons that they knew about it before training camp. There's reports about him going to the Bahamas with his kids, that it was sort of a, fa- a vacation fulfilled or promised wh- while he was out. So we don't know what to believe, um, but we knew that we do know this, that wh- whether her plans have changed now with him playing again, I have no idea, but Giselle uh, has every intention of resuming um, or rising again, as the cover would say. And so you can see where that would get complicated if Tom Brady's going to continue to play football. That was a long way to just say I'm back, like Michael Jordan did. <laughs> right. <laughs> Isn't that what he said? Yeah, that was, that, was his, <laughs> that was his fax to everybody from his agent, I'm back. That's right. And they used you it, said, and you didn't see I'm it. I'm back. On the, on the TV yeah. broadcast, that was part of the Open, because uh, <laughs> he did the Open for the Tom Brady 23rd season. That's uh, right. Sunday Night Football, so. Right. The other thing I took out of that was that it's one hell of a sacrifice to move to Boston. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) let's be honest. And if you're going to build a cocoon, you do it in the snow, right? The snowy cocoon of Boston. Um, You know, and the thing is, I don't know, like, you know, is Florida better for Giselle? I don't know. I mean, you know, it's none of it is uh, is Brazil or Costa Rica where she spends a lot of time, but. No, but in all seriousness, I mean, we're seeing a a very private dispute kind of play out publicly now. Really are, you yeah. know, and and you know, and look, these are this is at a different scale, of course, but these are conversations that go on in marriages all the time. Absolutely, with careers Absolutely. and and kids. Whose career and, is going to take a backseat mm-hmm. to somebody else's, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, this happens in in lots of marriages all the time. Uh, yeah. We're just seeing it kind of play out publicly here. Mm-hmm. And very often, and I'll just say this, like I'm, I'm in, as involved as I can be uh, with my children's life. Um, I'm one of these people that, that, you know, will take late flights to make the dance recitals and, and all of that. But, and my wife is a professional who works in marketing. We all know who he works for, um, Eddie DeBarlo, um, has a very demanding job and in some ways more demanding than mine. But because I travel so much of during the football season, you know, I have sort of, I, I'm not physically practicing in things, but I have a lot of the same sort of time constraints. And, you know, the, the, so much of the parenting, unfortunately, is, is, and while trying to balance a career, is, is left to my wife. And I think in many ways, um, there's an expectation, a societal perhaps expectation that, you know, if you're going to have a career and and children, well, you got to find a way to take care of them, and it, it largely falls on, it could fall on the wife, and you know, um, that's been the case in in our home. As much as I try to be there when there's a game in Dallas, I've got to go, you know. And she travels a lot less than I do, 
But there are times when she has to go to Hawaii and it's always about, well, how, how am I going to go to Hawaii and, or someplace else or some other city, Canton, Ohio, wherever it is, and, and, and Rick's out of town, who's taking care of the kids, how do we do this? You know, um, so it, it, there's, like, everybody deals with these sort of, you know, um, these issues, but the, you're right. They do it on a very, very public scale. And, um, look, part of, part of them sharing their life is, um, you know, the interest in them helps them sell merchandise, quite frankly. You know what I mean? Like you give of yourself and you let people into that private space um they they get to know you they relate to you and it's good for business but you can't the problem is you can't close that door when you want to you know and so that's sort of where they're at right now is it's, it's a very public thing and, and and we can all understand it i mean he's played tw- this is his 23rd season you know he said something the other day that kind of resonated with me and i've been told this before that the one thing that would get him out of football is an injury. If he doesn't feel good, right? If he if he physically just doesn't feel good and and he gets hurt, obviously. And the other day when he was talking to Jim Gray, well, Tom, how did you feel when you went? Um, Brady said, "Yeah, I woke up and my arms are bruised." And he goes, "I felt like, you know, like crap." Basically, he didn't say that, but um, and you know, at forty five, you're going to. I mean, you're going to at 25, too, if you get hit hard enough. But you just don't have the recovery in your body. And that's just physiology. But um, you wonder how many more hits he has in him, right? How many more times behind that offensive line? Uh, You know, Micah Parsons got him twice, but he also got knocked down a bunch of times, too. And so, you know, that's the part that when when I look at this situation with Todd Bowles, when I look at why Brady is so comfortable and they, quote, see the game the same way. They won the game 19-3. to They won by 16 points, right? But they didn't win 30-14. to You know what I mean? Like, it's still a win. It's not a gorgeous win. They didn't finish in the red zone. They had just one touchdown. But now I can see, you know, sort of what like Brady's talking about is like, look, he's 45. He's not going to stand back there and, and throw the ball 719 times this year. He's just not going to do it. And if you can win by one or by 16 the hard way, then they're going to give it to Leonard Fournette, who ran the ball. I was talking to uh, Bruce Arians. I was sending some texts to him. We were talking about Leonard Fournette. I think it's true. He said, you know, that's the best that Leonard Fournette has run the ball since the Super Bowl. It's probably true, right? Since he's been with the Bucs, 127 yards, that's the most yards he's had. Yeah, I can't. Uh, I don't remember a time last year he looked that good. I mean, the Colts game was the closest, right? He had a bunch of touchdowns and mm-hmm. and he had some catches and he and he you know he was pretty much the story of the game. But he looked but he didn't different. have that many yards. He looked different Sunday night. He did look different. I mean, he was fast. He was not two hundred, not two hundred sixty pounds. <laughs> he was that weight. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Looked in shape, um, but no, there was an attitude. And you know what else? Say what you. I mean, that young offensive line struggled at times, obviously, uh, especially trying to block Micah Parsons. But, but, you know what I saw? I saw Robert Hainsey with some speed on the edge, on the outside, knocking some people over. I saw Luke um, Gedicke doing the same thing. Um, they were they were mobile and they were getting to the second level, and they were clearing some paths for those guys for for Leonard. And you let Leonard's two hundred and forty pounds get rolling about. 10 yards down the field and let me tell you guys make business decisions about whether you want to hit him or not you know what i mean and and how you're going to hit him and 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 what price you're going to pay and before you know it he's going to be you know on kyle brant's angry runs getting a scepter you know on good morning football because he's gonna he's gonna truck some people but that was an impressive you know night for leonard fournette and i can see them doing the same thing to, to try to to try to slow down New Orleans' pass rush to keep him them off of Tom Brady where they've had success rushing four. If you're going to rush four, okay, uh, you're probably going to play cover two, and you're going to drop, you know, seven guys. Well, we're going to run the ball on you, you know, um, unless you bring people up into the box, and then we're going to throw it over your heads. And that's that's kind of what Brady does, you know. 
when they suck guys in, all of a sudden here comes the deep shot with man coverage or the safety, you know, mm-hmm. cheating in for the run game, and and he gets behind the corner, and it's a, it's a forty eight yard completion to Julio Jones, and so you know, that's that's sort of what I expect. But him getting hurt or getting beat up is the one thing that will get him out of football. You know, he's not gonna he's not gonna come back from any 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 injuries, and he and he also knows that. You know, it is a dangerous sport. Let's be honest. You know, and it's not always like, oh, this guy is Alex Smith. You know, he fractured his leg or, uh, you know. But Steve Young was knocked out of the game because of concussion. So was Joe Montana. So was Troy Aikman, right? And I don't, I can't document the concussions that Brady has had. But we know what some of these players suffer later in life, you know. Hell, the very guy that Tom Brady plays football. As he always talks. He told this story the other night on Jim Gray. And I only say this because I got his picture autographed in my in my room up here, uh, is that he remembers he fell in love with football because his family took him to Candlestick Park when he was four years old to see Joe Montana and the, and the 49ers beat the Dallas Cowboys in the game known as the catch, right? The NFC Championship game that sent them to the Super Bowl and Dwight Clark made the catch. Remember um, the mm-hmm. great call by Ben Scully? Yeah, you know, it's a madhouse here in Candlestick, right? Montana looking, looking, and he throws the ball. Well, I hate to say it, got to know Dwight Clark really well, and I'm not predicting anything, but I'm just telling you, football is dangerous. Um, Dwight Clark, who took a lot of hits, was pretty convinced, he told me and others, that when he got ALS, there was some causal relationship to football. He really believed that. And, in fact, there is evidence to suggest that that disproportionately football players suffer from ALS to, than the regular general public. Whatever, those, whatever your chances are, they could be higher if you played football. So what I'm saying is Giselle and everybody else, and, and even Tom knows, there is a price that he could be paying right now that may not show itself for years and years, but – and I'm certainly not predicting he gets ALS. I'm just saying injury, um, he, he's aware, I think, of, you know, and his wife certainly is. I mean, she would like him to be, you know, the same Tom Brady he is today that he's going to be the next 20 years for his children and for him and for her. So it all makes sense. And if you if you read these quotes, you watch, pick up a, a copy of Elle magazine, I guess, for uh, the month of October, uh, they're fall fashion issue which who doesn't want that you know my wife probably will have it in here whether she knows he's on it or not um then it's it's a pretty it's a pretty good read it's not it's not really based on her relationship with tom that's just a very small portion it really you learn a lot about giselle and what what she thinks she can do with the rest of her life um and of course saving the planet is high on that list so fascinating story um some insights there and just wanted to mention it. Um, we're going to get to your mailbag questions here coming up. All of them answered 100% correctly or your money back. I wanted to tell you about May Electric Solar, though, first. It's a family-owned and operated business. They've been installing solar electric systems for 12 years. You know your electric bill is going up. This is going to save it for you. And a company, uh, you know, there's all kinds of these solar panel distributors all over the place, but May Electric Solar is committed to you for the long term. This is why you need to get them. They guarantee their workmanship for a thir- with a 30-year labor and services warranty, and with every installation, you get $750 worth of surge protection for all your appliances. Now, that is the May difference, and if you visit the Hudson showroom, May Electric displays all of its products and conducts on-site testing. You can see what they'll be installing. Plus, you don't they don't use subcontractors, and you, so you'll know exactly who is doing the job. Start saving today. Call the solar energy experts at May Electric Solar, 727-819-2862 to schedule a free estimate. You can lower your electric bill all year long and preserve the quality of your life and the quality of your appliances. That's May Electric Solar at 727-819-2862. All right, we got our mailbag questions. Let's get started. All right, Steve had tweeted us. He says, with the obviously revamped offense focusing on the running game, is this the year that Mike Evans will come up short of 1,000 yards receiving? No. Unless there's an injury, I don't think it is. I think he'll continue that. And um, the reason is that 
Mike Evans is the best receiver in football that people don't recognize is the best receiver in football. I mean, you know, you're obviously going to get a lot of people um, look at different players and have, I mean, the receiving position, right, is, you know, whether it's Adams with the Raiders or Stephon Diggs with Buffalo or Tyreek Hill in Miami, um, there is a flavor and a type of receiver that, you know, that, that everybody likes. And, for years and years, and probably the last 10 or 12 years, to me, it's been Julio Jones. You know, he's been sort of the the top of the heap until the last two seasons when he only played about seven or eight games a year. Now it looks like he's healthy. We'll see how long he can keep this going. But, man, he looked like Julio Jones the other night. But Mike Evans, for his consistency, and and, his, and the thing he doesn't get credit enough credit for is his versatility. You know, some receivers are great route runners. Uh, some receivers can just use their pure speed and get behind the defense and catch deep balls. Um, you know, some receivers just out jump people and it's just sort of a, a vertical advantage. Mike Evans has all of it, you know, including the physicality to block. And you don't, you don't get much of that from other receivers. He is one of the most complete receivers in NFL history and certainly the most consistent because nobody has had eight straight 1000 yard seasons. I know what you're saying when you you know when you look at sort of like this commitment to the run game and you know the additional uh, receiver like Julio Jones and and whether it's Russell Gage and you know at some point Chris uh, Chris Godwin will be back so they have a lot of options but Mike has always been willing to share the football you know because his first what six seven years they didn't win anything they never went to a playoff game until Tom Brady got here. And that was sort of what it was understood is that, look, Tom Brady is going to throw the ball to the open guy. We're not going to force feed any one receiver. He's accepted that Rob Gronkowski came on this team and took away catches. He accepted Antonio Brown came on this team and took away catches just like he is with Julio Jones. And because of that, you know, they don't force him the ball. Um, You know, he's not getting any more. Now, he did early in his career, but he's not getting them, you know, far and away the most targets. Um so, you know, I, I think – I don't think this is the year. I think Mike, if he can stay healthy, and he's done a pretty good job of that. He's obviously had some hamstring issues every year in training camp. But if he can stay healthy, he's going to get – if you think about it, 17 games now. You know, the 1,000-yard thing, which was 16 for his, what, first seven years, it's now 17 games. And you're looking at just, what, a little over 60 yards a game or somewhere in there? Um, he can certainly average that. I think the thing that – also gets overlooked is just how damn effective he is in the red zone. You know, it's all about scoring touchdowns. And there's a virtually unstoppable play for Mike Evans. It, it's, it's that fade route in the red zone. Whether they throw it back shoulder to the front pylon or over the shoulder to the back pylon where he just, you know, has a vertical advantage. You can, if he gets a one-on-one look, you can't stop him. You, you can't. I mean, Brady, his ball placement and the ability for Evans to use his body and shield off defenders and the physicality he has in the hands. I mean, the one-handed catch he made against Dallas was as good a catch as I've seen. I mean, like in the league. I mean, that was almost, you know, Odell Beckham uh, quality. So there's nothing he can't do. The guy was, you know, the other day when he was inducted in the Texas A&M Hall of Fame, uh, he talked about how he came very close to going to the University of Texas as a basketball player. Think about how talented you have to be to be both given a Division One college scholarship, one to Texas to play basketball, and one to A&M to play football. I think he made the right choice, but he was one hell of a basketball player. And you can see that because of his athleticism in his hands. And um, he and his body control, he is something else. So, no, I, even with even – with, and, and the other part about it is – when you do commit to the run, um, you create opportunities downfield. And so I think Mike's going to get some chunk yardage plays this year, maybe more than he's gotten in the past. And he certainly came up big the other night in Dallas. I think he had, I don't know, 65, 70 yards or so. Uh, and, and really, if you did that every game, you're, you're over 1,000. So I think his consistency is his calling card, and I think he'll do it again. I think there's one other thing to consider, too. We know if he's close at the last few weeks of the season, Tom Brady will make sure he gets there. <laughs> yeah, he will. <laughs> yeah, he will. I mean, Tom will find a way to get him absolutely a thousand, to a thousand. 
Absolutely. He's done it before, and he'll do it again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this one's I mean, not necessarily for a bonus, but this is for history, for legacy. It's for legacy, for- yeah, absolutely. I mean, he is now – he set the record already. Um, Randy Moss had it with seven. He's got eight. Um, he'll probably make it nine and maybe ten. And I used to say this, you know, the, the sort of the – Sort of the milepost to be in the Hall of Fame as a receiver used to be 10,000 yards. He'll get that too this year. I think he was about 600 away, 599 or there, thereabouts um, when the season started. And so he's going to eclipse 10,000 yards. Now, that's changed because the rules have changed, and guys are certainly going to play you know, long enough to get, and maybe longer because of it, to, to get over 10,000 that may not go in the Hall of Fame. But even today, if you looked at the players – um, that are not in the Hall of Fame with 10,000 yards, it's very few, and some of them will still get in. So Mike Mike is building a Hall of Fame career. It's undeniable to me now. And the fact that he has a Super Bowl championship, the fact that you know he's, he's certainly been to enough Pro Bowls, what you won't see, and again, I think he got overlooked early in his career because he's on just horrible teams with a bunch of bad quarterbacks um, until Jameis came and forced, you know, fed him a lot, um, is that... You know, it, he he just was never on an all-decade team. He was never that guy that people said, oh, yeah, uh, definitely pro bowler, you know, every year. Oh, yeah, he's he's a definite – he's one of the two best in, in the NFC. It just didn't happen for him like that. And, and, again, it's because you're not on national television. You're not – he didn't play one playoff game until the Super Bowl year of, of 2020. And, you know, your best years or your most younger years, your athletic years anyway, were spent – at one o'clock, like you were playing for the Detroit Lions, you know, and that's hurt Mike. And Mike is not flamboyant to the point of, you know, he doesn't do the flowery interviews and he just wants to win. And he really is a humble guy. Like all those things are true about him. And of course his story is incredible and, and compelling what he's overcome. But, um, yeah, probably if you, if you were going to go, what, who's the most, you know he's rated. Who's the most underrated player or the best receiver in the league that no one thinks is the best receiver in the league? It's Mike Evans. All right, James tweeted us. He said, any idea of the relationship between Byron Leftwich and Tom Brady, are game, what their relationship is game plan-wise? How much input does Tom have? For example, did he want to run the ball that much? And did Tom bring anything scheme-wise from the Patriots to the Bucks? Any insight would be interesting. Thank you. All of it. Um, Tom Brady is involved in all of it. And in some, some instances, maybe more involved than, than any other quarterback in the league. And why not? Right. I mean, and listen, and I think Bruce Arians made this clear and it's absolutely true. No one wanted to listen to him when he said it. Bruce was not involved in the game planning when Tom got here or even when Bruce got here, when Bruce got here and Byron Leftwich was his coordinator, he told the Glazers, and it was a hard sell because they thought they were getting the quarterback whisper. Of course, he is. They they knew they were getting his offense, and they thought, well, who better to call it? And Bruce Arians made it clear to him, I'm not calling plays, and I'm not game planning. You know, there is a, a responsibility and a time commitment to that, right? Um, somebody has to draw up the scripts, not just for the game, but for practice. You know, you have situational um, things you have to go over against the defense you're facing every week. And on Wednesday, it might be, you know, it might be, you know, first and first and 10 or second and seven um, coming out uh, of the end zone, um, you know, two minute one day, uh, goal line another day. So you have all these scripts and things. And so you spend a lot of time, you know, preparing those and then everybody has to have them. Everybody has to be on the same page, a defensive Scout team needs to know, you know, what the situations are, and you, you sort of organize practice that way. Um, but you, you also, you know, you're trying to attack the other team, and each team is different. The personnel is different. It changes week to week. So it's an incredible amount of film study, right? And Byron Leftwich is, is a guy with boundless energy, former quarterback, sees the game. You know, it, one of the few coordinators in the NFL that have actually stood behind the center and seen the game the way his quarterback is going to see it. But he's not Tom Brady, and he, and, he, and he couldn't possibly know what Tom Brady knows even though he was a coach and a player in this league. So when Tom got here, and Tom is a people pleaser, he first learned the language of the Bucks' offense, which is no easy thing when you've been in one language for you know 20 years at that point, 21 years. And so he did that. He mastered that. And then he tried as best he could to run 
Bruce Arians offense, you know, no risk it, no biscuit. And that's, you know, five eligibles, you know, maybe four guys running vertical on every play. Like, I mean, you're, you're back there and, and they can bring more than you can block on every play. And so you got to go to the hot or you, you know, you're taking a lot of five and seven step drops. You're exposed. You're exposed to hips, hits. There's a lot of passing attempts. You might throw it 40, 50 times a game if need be. And that's sort of what, what it was about until they got, what was it? A good, there were seven and five in 2020. And remember now, they didn't have the benefit of a training camp. They were working out on their own at Berkeley Prep, no coaches, no preseason games. I mean, this was all occurring when Tom Brady first got here. But when they got the bye week, after a 7-5 start, there was a little bit of a summit with Bruce Arians, Byron, Tom. And that's when that's Tom had been game planning with Byron all along. But within the framework of what Arians' offense is, at that point, he needed some things, right? Pre-snap motion, um, play action, uh, a commitment to running the football more. And and they sort of started to incorporate that, and then they won eight in a row, including the Super Bowl. And it began to look more like Tom Brady's offense than Bruce Arians' offense. At least it was another addition of it. And I think each year, you, you know, you adapt, you always adapt the offense to your quarterback. And I think each year it, it looks more like what Brady did in New England. And even more so this season. Uh, Brady is is absolutely game planning with Byron and, and I'm sure the loudest voice in that room. Uh, and they're going to run the football because that's what Tom Brady wants to do. And, and it also helps the defense and defensive coordinators who are coaches, head coaches and, and Todd's still calling the defense. They really understand that, you know, there are limitations to what they can do with their guys. If you go three and out all day, and don't use any time off the clock because you're throwing it on three downs, you're really putting that other that other unit in, in trouble, in peril, especially against an explosive offense across across the sideline. So there are games where the game plan has to you know incorporate the fact that, hey, we get in a we get into a track meet with these guys. If we try to run up and down the floor with them, so to speak, we're gonna get beat. We're gonna wear our defense out and we're gonna get beat. And so I think Really, the sort of the when you hear this comment, they see the game the same way. It's that, hey, against some of these explosive teams, we're not going to try to drop back and throw it 35 times unless we get behind and we have to, or they give it to us. You know, I mean, if they give you something, you're going to take it. But Tom Brady's not interested in getting hit. I wrote about this after the first game. He's got the exact team he wants in terms of its personnel, its players. They've never said no to him. And he, he's got the absolute offense that he wants. And that is, again, more balance, more commitment to the running game, um, a safer launch place for him when he does go down the field. And he still was effective. I mean, Brady doesn't need to throw for 300 yards every game. He doesn't. His resume is not about stats, even though he's the all-time leading passer because of his longevity. It's just about wins. You know, he's only about one thing, and that's winning the Super Bowl. And really, that should all it should be about anyway. Um, and so, yeah, I he's absolutely on board with the plan. He is the plan. The plan is his and his alone. And for as much as Byron is the coordinator calling it, they they write the menu together. You know, they do. Byron's just you know calling out the orders, but they they know what they want to do in every situation. And uh, those two guys are in sync. All right, 88 tweeted, how chippy do you think the Bucks saints game will get on Sunday? It seems like every time they match up, tempers flare. I hope the Bucks can keep their cool and not pick up stupid personal foul penalties. I think it's – I think the – how do I say this? It's going to be chippy. And, and from what I've seen of this series, the Saints are tremendous instigators of that, right? Um, and there were games – look, when Jameis was on the bench – uh, he got into some shouting matches with some of his Florida teammates and stuff like that. It, it was it was chippy even when Jameis was a quarterback here. You know, and this game is on the road, so when you talk about penalties, that's going to be a big thing to watch. 
Um, because where the Bucks really cleaned them, themselves up from the Dallas game a year ago when they had 11 penalties, they had five, and including one on the first play of the game when Cam Brate, you know, jumps off sides. Uh, so after that first play, when they're first and 15, they had four more penalties in the four quarters, which is really good. And so I think that the Saints will absolutely try to get under their skin. The Saints, look, they got bragging. I mean, <laughs> the irony is is that they lost the game that mattered. They lost the playoff game, and a lot of people on the Bucks believe that had the Saints won that game, they would have gone into Green Bay and won and won the Super Bowl. Talked to a lot of people that think that the Saints had the best other team uh, that the Bucks faced that year. Uh, but they have they have the Bucks number. You know, they got the bragging rights. I mean, in terms of, no, they didn't win the NFC Championship or the NFC South last year, but they beat the Bucks twice. They beat them, what, seven straight times in the regular season. The last quarterback to win against New Orleans was Ryan Fitzpatrick. Fitzmagic, the year that Jameis was suspended the first three games. 2018 so that's been a long long time and you know so they're gonna crow about it they've got you know the hammer right now and it's a big game make no mistake like you get this one okay and you're 2-0 but you're 2-0 in the nfc more importantly you're not just 1-0 in the nfc south but you're 1-0 against the team that everyone is really most people have picked surprisingly a lot of people have picked to win win the division and so of the four games, we talked about that gauntlet, right? Dallas, New Orleans, Green Bay at home, Kansas City at home. This one probably matters more than any of those. You could say, well, Green Bay, you know, was the number one seed a year ago. And so, you know, head to head, if you finish tied this year, maybe they get the, the, the home field over you again. That's true. Although Green Bay does not look like Green Bay of old to me. Um, you know, they, their receivers weren't there, didn't show up for Aaron Rodgers. And, you know, defensively, they had some lapses as well. So we'll see what Green Bay's doing in week four. But to me, anytime you play a division opponent, it's sort of worth double. And to get one on the road against a division opponent, even bigger, right? Because you got the Saints at home on a Monday night sometime later this year. So um, this is huge. Uh, And, yeah, Tom Brady is on board. And he is very much, if not the guy. You know, I mean, look. It's true that really they, they start game planning on the plane home right for the next game. I mean, they're looking at film all the time. That's just the way Byron works. Byron, Byron can't, you know, can't wait until Tuesday uh, to hand out the game plan. He's ready by the next day. So they'll have something in store, and, and we'll see how it goes. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. All right, Brian tweeted. He said, after the amount of injuries in last year's New Orleans games and the current injuries so far this season, would it be better for the Buccaneers to treat this game like a fourth preseason game and worry about the rematch later in the season? No, heck no. And the reason is you just don't know. You know, it's a war of attrition, as you, as he's indicating there. And they have some injuries. They, they're not. Look, they're, you know, you can't get Ryan Jensen back, right? I mean, that happened the second practice of the, of the preseason. Uh, the training camp, and you can't get him back. If he comes back, it's going to be in December or January. We don't even know. So that one's gone. But you know what? Robert Hainsey is now the starter, and he's going to be starting on Sunday. Uh, yeah, it's only his second start at center, but you know what? He's pretty good in his first one. He's going to get better every week. So you, there's no holding guys back. This is as healthy as you're going to be, and you have no idea who you're going to be able to play with when you see him again later this year. Um, these, like we just mentioned, these games are division games. This is the, the one team that, uh, people believe could win the division instead of Tampa Bay. And, you know, you just can't, you just got to hope for help. That's why you have a deep roster. That's why you have a 16 player practice squad. You know, you pick the best players you can 
you rely on your scouting staff if you get injuries like they did last year in the in the secondary and and you try to hold on and you know they're going to go all in to win this game it's kind of like you know i i vacillated i started out saying last week that you know chris godwin sounds like to me he's going to play and then i backed off because when i heard chris godwin in his interviews he seemed more interested in the second half of the season for some reason than he did now but what it came down to is he's healthy enough to play and how do you know right week one at dallas how do you know which game is going to matter the most you don't they all they all count right and it's an nfc team and and you know, before Dak Prescott got hurt, and now he's going to miss four to six weeks uh, at least with a with the broken thumb after hitting his hand on Shaquille Barrett's uh, helmet. Uh, you just don't know which game is going to wind up being the most important. So if you can play, if you're a football player and you're cleared to play, that means you play the game. You know, you play to win the game. Hello, we're not saving guys for anything. You know, because again, clinch the division. Uh, wrap up home field advantage, and if there's games left, then you can decide whether or not you want to play people, right? If you got guys nicked up or whatever, because you've already accomplished everything. But until that time, man, they all mean everything. It's all hands on deck. That's just the nature of football. All right, Ellis tweeted, said, I was impressed with the rookie tight ends. How would you rate their performances? I thought they were outstanding. Um, unfortunately, they had no targets, and that was – that that probably can't occur for very long. Um, you know, Kate Otten was sensational on special teams. He had three tackles. Uh, Coquive blocked extremely well. If you've noticed, the Bucks run a lot with two backs and, and a fullback leading the way for Leonard Fournette. And it's usually, you know, a tight end, whether it's Coquive. We saw Richard uh, White do it one time. Um you know, they, uh, Cameron Brait's capable of playing in that H-back position and becomes a fullback. So, you know, I thought both those young guys, I mean, here's how well they played. They played well enough for, for Kyle Rudolph to not get a helmet. Think about that. Kyle Rudolph signed here, one of the last free agents to sign, because he wanted to win a ring, right? And he's a former pro bowler and all of that. And these two rookies were impressive enough and had enough, enough trust of the coaching staff and – Let's be honest, they play special teams, right? Um, to put a guy like Kyle Rudolph on the inactive list for the first game of the regular season, that had to hurt. Uh, but that's how confident they are in them. Now, we got to see if they can give them something in the passing game. You know, It was a, a run-heavy offense. They blocked well. But let's see if they can get open and, and provide some targets for Tom Brady. That's the next thing. Because, again, you, you know, you lost 50-something catches, 800 yards, and five touchdowns from Rob Gronkowski. That's got to be made up somewhere. But for Cam Brate, for Kate Otten, for Coke Keefe, for those guys not to get a single catch in a game, that seems unusual to me. But they didn't throw it very much, but it still seems unusual. So they've got to show something um, in the receiving game as well. All right, TV77 tweeted. You got any more news on Donovan Smith's elbow? And what are your thoughts on Robert Hainsey and Luke Gedeke's first game? Yeah, I just mentioned Hainsey and Gedeke. I thought they were outstanding. Um, you know, there was one play where, you know, really Josh Wells came in for Donovan Smith, and I thought, you know, Josh gave up the sack, but Gedeke was about to give it up as well. So he had a bad, he had a bad series or a bad play on the same play. Um, but for the most part, they were really impressed with that young offensive line. Uh, they really were, and I, I think those guys, especially as run blockers, they excel. And so what did they do? They put them in comfortable positions to run block. You know, part of that game plan, though, is out the window if you fall behind. And, you know, that's that's the sort of the double-edged sword, right? You want to run the football, well, you got to have success doing it. You can't, go, you can't go, you know, second and nine all day. And so if you had success, you can keep doing it. But as soon as you fall behind on the scoreboard, you better be able to do all of it. Um. You know, as far as what was was the second part of whether it was um, Donovan Smith's elbow in the update. Oh, uh, Smith's elbow, from what we were told on Monday, and we'll find out more today, is that, you know, he hyperextended it. When you look at it on tape, it's kind of gruesome. If you've ever seen people hyperextend their knee or their elbows, you know, literally the, the joint is bent the opposite direction, right? So if you took your elbow, you know you can bend it towards yourself, right? If you 
could bend it that way, the opposite direction, ouch, babe. Well, that's sort of what happened. His hand was down. The guy hit him, you know, hit his knee at his elbow from behind, and it hyperextended. And from what I hear, it was excruciatingly painful, okay? Um, but, and this is the good but, it doesn't look like there's surgery required here. Uh, he had a brace on when he came off the field. He was done playing, obviously. He was out of uniform at that point. I'm told that he did not have the brace on the way to the buses or the plane, which is probably a good sign. And what Todd Bowles told us Monday was it looks like it's going to be kind of a pain tolerance thing. And, you know, Donovan Smith is one of the toughest guys to ever put on a Bucks uniform. He has not missed hardly any. Uh, all, all his games have been starts in this league. And um, he's played almost every snap of those starts with very few exceptions. So he's one of the tougher guys on the team. If he can get out there, he will. What I would be concerned about is how effective is he if he plays, right? Uh, is he better than Josh Wells with two good arms? Well, if he's not, you don't play him. But you can't convince me that if a guy, you know, hyperextended his, his elbow like that, that there isn't some pain involved and, and maybe as a result of that, some weakness there too. And, you know, no one can block if they can't use both arms. So that's something that that's gonna, you're going to have to watch. But I think he probably plays. I, I think that offensive linemen sort of had this creed that, like, unless you have to get the cart for me and I, I'm going to walk off the field come hell or high water, I'm playing. You know, I'm going. And I think he'll give it a go. Remember last year, like, Ryan Jensen, I guess, had some sort of really severe hip injury or whatever, I think, and he wasn't going to play. On a, on a Thursday night, Brady goes, yeah, you are. And he went out there and he played. No one could believe it in practice. They're just different, man. They're just, you know, they're just a band of brothers. And, you know, they just feel like I, I can't let my brother down. If I can get out there, I'm going to get out there. I don't care what kind of pain I'm in. All right, D.Y.'s tweeted, what's the over-under on the number of years the Buccaneers will continue to keep Ryan Griffin on the practice squad? As long as there's a practice squad, I expect Ryan Griffin to play. Uh, to be on it, and he will exceed Tom Brady's 23 seasons. Wow. Bold prediction there. Bold prediction. Why not, man? Like, why not? It's one of the greater stories in NFL history. It really is when you think about it. I mean, here's a guy. What is he, in his 10th or 11th year? One or the other. I can't remember which. But it's double digits, babe. I'm pretty sure of that. Uh, Has attempted exactly four more passes than me and has completed two more passes than Steve. He is two for four on his career. Two out of four. And he has made, I don't know, seven, eight, nine million dollars so far. Now, the practice squad money is not, you know, active roster money at this point, but it's you can get by as a vested veteran making about 350, right, as the number three quarterback. But I always say this, they don't just give the jobs away. You have to be able to play. You got to be able to throw the ball. You got to run scout team. You got to do this, that. You know, it's it's not show friends, it's show business. So he's earned his right to be here as their practice squad quarterback. And part of that, I think, that room staying intact the way it is, you guessed it, two words, Tom Brady. Tom Brady likes who's in that room. And each one of those guys has a job on game week, uh, whether it's to run the scout team or, you know, look at film, break down things for Tom, see what you can see. And... And if nothing else, who's going to hold up Tom after the boat parade and the avocado tequila, right? <laughs> now, that's your backup quarterback, right? That's your stand-up quarterback. That, that's a true, literal backup who hold, who's got your back and keeping it off the ground after the boat parade. So as long as Tom Brady is here, he's here because that's his job, man, to keep, make sure that Tom gets, gets off the deck. All right, we got a couple raised questions we'll save for Friday's show, but I want to end sure. it on this one. On Tuesday, the Lightning announced their 30th uh, anniversary plans. It's, it's been 30 years of the Lightning now. Yeah. Started in 1992. So Luis yeah. had tweeted us, and he said, Hey, guys, the Bolts announced a Lightning Hall of Fame commencing this year for the 30th anniversary. Who makes the list of past players, coaches, and owners? He says, Obviously, Espo makes it as a founding owner. 
Wow, that's a show in and of itself. I mean, we could be here for a while. 30 years of lightning hockey, that's a lot of, involves a lot of players, executive coaches, all of that. Um, I'll be curious how many go in in the first year. Now they said, well, listen, you know, I mean, they, I think who goes in and that it'll be announced in the spring. You know, when the Bucks did their ring of honor, and this is not the same thing. This is a museum, but, um, but you're honoring its legacy. You're going back 30 years, right? I think you start sort of in the beginning years, if you will. And if not that, then the, the old four Stanley cup team, right? Let's, let's, let's talk about the coach, John Tortorella, right? He's got to be in there somewhere. Well, I, uh, the, the, I think the bigger question is, I mean, I, I think a lot of the players and coaches and owners that you're thinking of are all going to make it in there. Eventually. But, like, who goes in the, but who goes in the first class? Okay, John Tortorella. Or is it John one. Cooper? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's one, two. If you're going to put coaches in, yeah. maybe it's John Cooper ahead of John Tortorella, sure. You said Espo's the founding owner, but or is it Jeff Vinnick? Now you could put two in. I mean, there's no limits. It's not like, you know. Yeah, baseball I mean, I mean, typically, do... like, there's a, like, there's always sort of a, an ode to the chronology, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you can go either way. You can go, well, what's current day backwards, or yep. you can go the beginning. Now, the Bucks chose to do their Ring of Honor, which is again not the same thing. They started with the early days, right? Mm-hmm. Leroy Selman was one of the first players in, first Hall of Famer, first pick overall in '76. Uh, John McKay was the first coach that went in. You know, it wasn't John Gruden. You know, um, who's not? Who turns out's not in it now anyway. Um, so, you know, it it it, it it's going to take some thought. I guess is what I'm saying. Like, mm-hmm. there's a lot of ways to chop this up. You know, who's most deserving right now? Who's a no brainer? You know, let John Cooper. You know, um, you know. I think you can get away with the current players and and coach as saying, well, we'll honor them once they're done in their career. That's that's what I think, too. So, you know, that, that takes I, I, out Stamkos and Hedman right. and Cooper for the, the beginning. Sure, sure. But look at the 4 team, mm-hmm. you know. Is, is, is Nikolai Javi Bulin in there? You well, know, I, I is, think you start with the two numbers in the rafters. Well, sure, LeCavier and St. Louis. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, 100%. But, you know, Brian Bradley, your first captain. Yeah, oh, yeah. Is Ruslan Fedotenko mm-hmm. in it? I don't know. You know, I think eventually a lot of those guys go in. But yeah, it'll be interesting who they pick initially. Right. You know, and as, how many? Like, are they mm-hmm. going to do it two a year, five a year, five the first time, two? Like, you know, what's the process? I don't know. Yeah, I, I think, and and you know, they're probably still determining that and such. It's going to be honored in the spring at an event. So this is cool. So this might be like a room, if you will, at the at Emily or something like that, or, uh, or so uh, a separate be, standing building somewhere. To be honest, I'm not certain. But um, it's a Hall of Fame. It's not. They're a calling it a Lightning Hall of Fame. Now, whether it's an actual yeah. hall or whatever, um, you know the the 49ers have a Hall of Fame, mm-hmm. and they have numbers retired too. But they have an actual 49ers Hall of Fame, and it's sort of like it's sort of a mini um, display case. Within the stadium, like a room, you know, okay. yep. where you might sell souvenirs, but this is actually like mm-hmm. a Hall of Fame where you walk around, you see memorabilia, you see not, I don't know if they have, maybe they do have bust. I can't remember what they decided mm-hmm. on. But, well, you've got um, Yankee, you've got the, you know, the, all the, the plaques out at the Yankee Stadium. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Braves have one behind home plate uh, in the right. concourse area. Yeah, a lot you of the walk through the and yeah. yeah. The Reds actually have a Hall of Fame. It's a whole separate building. Packers have a big building. Mm-hmm. That's a separate yep. building. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, it's. I think it's long overdue. Mm-hmm. I think it's great to be honored players that aren't whose jerseys aren't going in the rafter. You can't just, you know. I mean, there's so many contributors and great players to an organization, organization mm-hmm. in Canada uh, that you should honor, and they haven't done it. And I think this is terrific because, you know, just so many. You know, like, for example, looking down the road, okay, is Johnny Gord going to have a, a jersey in the rafters? Well, but he'll definitely, I think, in my, I'm, he should be in the Hall of Fame, Lightning Hall of Fame, mm-hmm. you know? So players like that that might fall short of Marty St. Louis or Benny LeCavier or Steven Stamkos or Victor Hedman, man, there's so many guys off this current team. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, is it their current team, the Hall of Fame, when you really break it down? I mean, you know? you know, you start going through. I mean, think about okay. Let's go through the the roster or part of it for 
who will eventually be in the Lightning Hall of Fame. Vasilevsky at goal, yes. And, and Ben Bishop before him should be. True. Um, okay, true. defense. Uh, Hedman, of course. Is mm-hmm. McDonough going in? Should. He should. Sergachev? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Chernak? Yes. Probably. Uh, forwards. Stamkos? Mm-hmm. Cooch? No doubt. Uh, Cooch is in the rafters. Mm-hmm. Uh, is Braden Point going to go in? Automatic. Also in the rafters. Sorelli? Yeah. The Hall of Fame? Absolutely. Yanni? <laughs> just telling you, man. <laughs> just as a group. I mean, they should I, just say... The 2020 to 2023 Tampa yeah. Bay Lightning Hall of Fame. Here it is. Yeah, there'll be quite a few of it. It's easier to say Andre who's Pilot. not in it. Um, you know, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it really is. It's easier to say who's not, you know, is Alex Kalorn. Alex Kalorn yeah, might be the perfect Hall of Fame guy, right? Mm-hmm. And, hell, I'd make an argument for his jersey going upstairs, too, for as much as he's done. Mm-hmm. You know, but if he's not, he's, a, he's the perfect Hall of Fame guy. But that's like you just named three fourths of the damn team. Quite a bit. I mean, you that's know, how long these guys have been. That's how you win yeah. three Stanley Cups. You have could Ross Colton get to that point at some point? I mean, I don't think he's a definite he, yet. But not yet. But you know what? He could. He's got that upside. Sure. Andre Palat, yes. Hmm. Tyler Johnson, mm-hmm. yes. Tyler's in it for sure. Too many big goals. Yeah. Nah, it's just really, it, it's going to be fun. And I, like I said, I don't know how many that, you know, that we'll find out what sort of what the order will be and how many players and coaches and, and all of that. But, um, yeah, fun. Glad, yeah, thir- glad they're 30 doing years it. for the Lightning. They've, what, won three cups. It's incredible. Been to five and 30. That's pretty impressive for a non-hockey market. As we see here today, how long, how long before training camp opens? Uh, two weeks from today. Two weeks from today. Two weeks from today, they're on the ice. Yes. So that would mean that their younger players will be on the ice. No, I'm sorry, not that. two weeks. One week from today. I'm sorry. Well, I was going to say yeah, one two week. weeks. They're okay. playing preseason games already. They have games. That's just incredible to me. It really is. It just comes around. Of course, they play so long. But as we sit here today, two one week from training camp, you said two weeks from playing games. Are they a Stanley Cup, legit Stanley Cup contender this year? Yes, they are a contender. Is their team on opening night as good as the team that just lost game six to the Avalanche? No. Hmm. If the younger players continue to make strides, yeah, Sergachev, Sorelli, Colton. I mean, you go through the, go through the younger guys in the roster. Cal Foot, if these guys continue to make strides and improve the way that the Lightning organization thinks they can be, then yes, they're a legit Stanley Cup contender next year. But I mean, you lost Ryan McDonough, you know. So now you know, is their defense come opening night as good? No. Right. But Sergachev now is going to be put into a top defensive role. You know, he's always shifted around left and right and second pair, third pair. Now it's his turn to shine. Can he take that step this season? He's a really good defenseman, but can he take that next step at, what, 23, 24 years old, whatever he is right now? You know, it, those are the, you know, Andre Palat's not there now. Can Nick Paul, Brendan Hagel, can they slide into that kind of role and elevate their game and take, you know, take it to the next level and keep improving. You know, those are the things that, you know, in, in, in a salary cap world, it's the same thing in football or, you know, in basketball as well, is eventually you got to make financial decisions when you have a roster of really good players and you've got to let some go and you need younger players to step up. The Lightning need younger players to continue to make those progressions. But every team goes through that. When, you, when you're as successful as the Lightning are for as long as they are with as many good players as they are, that's what has to happen. You know, Ross Colton didn't start the way he is now. Can he continue to make more steps? Right. Sorelli, too. Brayden Point's going to be healthy. And now we also know Sorelli and Zach Bogosian are going to miss the first month or two of the season. 
That's bad. Yeah, it is. But it's a long season, so. <clears throat> yeah. You know, but it's an opportunity for younger guys to step in and, and show what they can do and get some experience, too. You know, if Sorelli misses the first two months of the season, fine. You need him for the last two months in playoffs. So, can they, are they a Stanley Cup contender? Yes. But like I said, going into the season, are they as strong as they were at the end of last season? No, but most good teams aren't. you got to figure I mean, out what nice, your young guys can do. They've done a nice job sort of like developing and bringing along young guys and adding to this group, right? But mm-hmm. you still, like, Stamkos is not getting younger. Victor Hedman is not getting younger. And, and typically mm-hmm. in sports, you don't, as you get older, you don't become less injured and more productive. That's just not the direction it goes. Except Stamkos last year. <laughs> Unbelievable, right? I mean, I don't know what deal he made. I guess that he had talked about it. Like the difference was he wasn't rehabbing anything. He was able to actually just get in great shape. Yeah, but he's finally trained in the off season instead yeah. of rehabbed. Yeah, that's a big difference in your off season, no doubt. So you know he managed to make it through every game, and and uh, you know hopefully he'll have that same sort of luck. But there are some of the core of their team now is starting to is starting to get older, and mm-hmm. you know Andre Vasilevsky still has many good years left but he's closer to 30 now than 20 so you know but as long as they got that guy in net and you know headman's out there skating i mean you feel good but it's just mm-hmm. there are some core guys Kalorn, like you know i didn't think Kalorn was going to be with them last year well, i you think know. there was a good chance he wasn't going to be yeah so you know and, but and, and they'll have decisions coming up too because Kalorn's contract's up at the end of this season right um, right this could be it for him yeah you know, and then Stamkos is up after next season. Wow, that's kind of that came around fast. Mm-hmm. I think they're going to be in it all the way. I, I just believe that as long as that guy's be- between the pipes, man, mm-hmm. you've got a chance every single night. I don't care who you're playing, and um, you know, health is it's it's the big. It's just like football; it's a war of attrition. You know, mm-hmm. do you lose Cooch for the season and get him back for the playoffs? Or do you lose him mm-hmm. for the playoffs? You know, do you lose? Well, you know, I, I still would have loved to have seen a Stanley Cup against Colorado with a healthy Braden Point, or you know, as healthy as you. No get question, the no question. I, I think that series could have swung different. I mean, there was two one-goal games; could have swung completely differently. His speed through the neutral zone could have opened some stuff up. I think it would have been a fun series. It was a fun series, regardless. But yeah, Colorado. I mean, they they were smart. You know, they dominated mm-hmm. zone time, and the Lightning had trouble, you know, getting across the blue line mm-hmm. and. and Point would have prevented all of that. You know what I mean? He would have turned that whole that whole table around. And you know, Colorado got better as the series went on. They kind of played like the Lightning were trying to play. Yeah. You know? They they, they did were, what the Lightning usually do in the playoffs. Yeah. If you they got a lead, they choked you out of it. Mm-hmm. You know? And they and look, their goaltender is not on their Vasilevsky, but they protected the hell out of him. You know? Well, their and, goaltender's moved on now. They have a new goaltender this year. Yeah. How about that? <laughs> Thanks for, thanks for the cup, man. <laughs> we appreciate your service. Oh man, and Colorado will be great again. They'll be great again. Yes, they will be. So it's going to be a fun season. Well, thanks for your mailbag questions. Uh, we've got oh the Rays uh, by the way split with Toronto. Not the outcome they were looking for after winning the first game. So they are neck and neck uh, in the wild card race with, with mm-hmm. not just them but uh, Seattle, Seattle as well. As well. Yeah. And, yeah. So these are big games, and they got a lot of them, and they got a lot of them on the road, and very they're in the stretch now with almost no days off, right? Yeah, they have one more off day the rest of the season. So think about that, man. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of like my job, right? And yours, mm-hmm. you got one day yeah. if you can get one day off the rest of the season. But well, and think of it this way too: if they get the second or the third wild card, right? So you play three games on the road. Or yes. up to three games for the, the the first series. First round, yeah. So if you win that, so let's let's say the Rays win that in three games, on the road as a second or third wild card, whoever they play. And then you would go to the division series and you would start on the road at the first or second seed for two games, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which would mean the That's Rays five, at that point right? would play fourteen straight road games. That's crazy, man. That's just nuts because they cut off the first yep. couple series and put them yep. on the back end. So they have a the nine-game road trip to end the season. Yeah. But it gets crazier than that, too. So now you're you, – let's say you win those two division series games. You have 14 straight road games. You have 14 straight road games. You get one home game and you win that, so you win the series. 
Then you go on then the road. On then the you road. go on the road for the ALCS for the next two. Which is the so next it's really two, sixteen. So. You could play sixteen out of seventeen on the road if you're lucky to get to game advanced. to get to game three of the ALCS. Nuts, <laughs> and almost impossible, by the way. Just I, I mean, it's unfortunate that you know the the strike and all that that happened, the lockout, mm-hmm. whatever you want to call it, the labor dispute. You know, they that they were insistent on making those games up. Number one. And number two, that they put them on the back half of the season, and it just so happened the Lightning were starting on the road. So kind of some bad convergence there Yep. Uh, with, the light, or with the Lightning, with the Tampa Bay Rays. So we'll see. I mean, they, you know, I think they got to get their starting pitching straight now. I mean, yep. you get, well, and you got to get to the playoffs first. So you got to get there. McClanahan has to come back healthy and maybe get something out of Tyler. We talked about this glass now mm-hmm. and. You know, start getting some some bodies back, but yep. Toronto can hit. You know, they any given night, man, they can they can score runs. So we'll be at uh, the Bucks today later uh, to see the updates on Donovan Smith. Get an update on Chris Godwin, who I don't expect to play. See if there's any other injuries we're not aware of, and as well as you know, talk to Coach Bowles and and uh, get ready for Bucks against the New Orleans Saints. It's going to be great. One o'clock game. Not many of those this year. No, nope. <laughs> I'm awfully glad that this one is one o'clock game in New Orleans on yeah. Sunday. It is the season opener for the Saints. It is going to be loud at the Mercedes-Benz Stadium, no doubt about it. So we'll have Matt Baker as well to talk some college football. Oh boy, we have lots of really upset upset Saturday last week in college football. Just incredible, and some good games on hand this week as well. Thanks for your mailbag questions. We appreciate that. As always, thanks for listening. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. For Steve Rursnick, have a great day, everybody. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 